to episode 91 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. Alex Cora has been fired by the Boston Red Sox, and we're going to tell you if he'll ever manage in Major League Baseball ever again. And then Luke Keekley announces his retirement from the NFL at the age of 28. What does this mean for players retiring early? And Zion Williamson announces his return date. We're going to break that all down and give you Zion's top plays in the preseason. All that much more here on episode 91 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. And then head to YouTube and give me all your takes right down below in the comments section about Alex Cora. I got a couple from Gary A. on how they should punish him. He says they should shove a live snake up his ass. And then David Cole says castration starting with Cora. So you guys are rough on Alex Cora. But we've got lots to get into. A jam-packed show for you guys today. So let's get right into it. It's showtime. Are you ready? Let's get it on. And we've got more fallout from the sign-stealing scandal in Major League Baseball. The Boston Red Sox have just fired Alex Cora. Alex Cora's days in Boston are over. After just two seasons, he led them to the 2018 World Series. And his punishment from Major League Baseball is pending right now. But he was implicated in the Astros sign-stealing scandal. He was one of the kingpins of their nefarious operation that was going on in Houston. And he is done for the Boston Red Sox. And he may be done in Major League Baseball. More on that in just a second. But in a statement from the Boston Red Sox, that reads, today we met to discuss the commissioner's report related to the Houston Astros investigation. Given the findings and the commissioner's ruling, we collectively decided that it would not be possible for Alex to effectively lead the club going forward, and we mutually agreed to part ways. Henry Werner and Kennedy added, this is a sad day for us. Alex is a special person and a beloved member of the Red Sox. We are grateful for his impact on our franchise. We will miss his passion, his energy, and his significant contributions to the communities of New England and Puerto Rico. Cora added, I want to thank John, Tom, Sam, and the players, our coaching staff, and the entire Red Sox organization. I especially want to thank my family for their love and support. We agreed today that parting ways was the best thing for the organization. I do not want to be a distraction to the Red Sox as they move forward. My two years as manager were the best years of my life. It was an honor to manage the teams and help bring the World Series championship back to Boston. I will forever be indebted to the organization and the fans who supported me as a player, a manager, and in my efforts to help Puerto Rico. This is a special place. There is nothing like it in all of baseball, and I will miss it dearly. And so the Red Sox, they acted fast. It was clear to them that Alex Cora, he's going to be facing at least a one-year suspension. Could be a multi-year, could be a lifetime ban suspension. So the Red Sox, they parted ways with Alex Cora. And the Red Sox brass addressed the media today in Boston. Since joining the Red Sox, Alex Cora has been one of the many people who we work with that has consistently put the organization ahead of their own interests. He did that yesterday as we discussed how to move forward. We needed to part ways, but we do it, as we said yesterday, it was a sad day because we all have such respect for Alex. Uh, 
He admitted that uh, what he did uh, was wrong. Yesterday, while it was difficult personally for a lot of people, professionally, um, it was um, ultimately uh, an easy decision for the Red Sox and for Alex. So Alex Cora is done with the Boston Red Sox, and Major League Baseball should be done with Alex Cora. Alex Cora should never manage another game in his career. Major League Baseball needs to give him the lifetime ban because he's the guy, he's the mastermind behind the Astros cheating scandal. He's the guy that ordered a video room technician to install near the dugout a monitor that showed a constant feed from a center field camera. He developed the trash can system. He used the dugout phone to call the replay room to get the signs himself. He's the guy that tweeted back in 2016, stealing signs, relaying signs, getting signs, not that easy. Alex Cora has been engaging in nefarious activity for years now. We all know what the C in Cora stands for, and he should never manage a Major League Baseball team ever again. You're going to see Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame before you see Alex Cora in the dugout managing another Major League Baseball team. Look, his teams won two World Series. The one where he spearheaded the cheating scandal with the Houston Astros and as the leader of the 2018 Red Sox. We haven't gotten the full report on the Red Sox scandal, but it's clear there was some nefarious activity in that World Series. To me, they're both completely tainted, and if Alex Cora wants to manage again, I hope he has MLB The Show or a fantasy league because he's not managing in Major League Baseball again. Here's the future of Alex Cora's managing career. Dale, what have you been working on recently? Well, I manage a baseball team. Little League? Fantasy League. Now, Alex Cora, I'm calling him Alex Corrupt. Alex Cora is a stain in the history of Major League Baseball. And in 2017, look, it was the wild, wild west. It was before Rob Manfred came down really hard on cheating in baseball and using technology. But by 2018, it was already out there, and Rob Manfred already warned teams like the Boston Red Sox to not engage in the nefarious activity. This is from Tom Verducci's report in Sports Illustrated. As for the 2018 postseason, protocol suddenly changed. The 2017 postseason had no safeguards against using the replay monitor or replay room to steal signs. By the 2018 postseason, cheating was so rampant that the commissioner's office received complaints from a number of teams about a number of teams that were cheating. Paranoia ruled, so Manfred ordered MLB security agents to guard the replay monitor and the runway between the clubhouse and the monitor. I remember being in Milwaukee for game one of the NLCS and the players and coaches remarking about the strangely intense level of security. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, I was saying Major League Baseball needs to have park narks. Well, it looks like they did, and it looks like security was in place after they got win of Alex Cora's tactics. Now, the Boston Red Sox are a proud franchise. The Boston Red Sox are one of a kind. They're great for the game, and they deserve better than Alex Cora. Here's some managers I want to see take over that Red Sox job. There's Ron Rinicky. Ron Rinicky, he was the manager of the Brewers, had a 342 and 331 record 
record from 2011 to 2015. He's already a bench coach on the Red Sox, so it would be a seamless transition. But do you want to go with the guy that was working under Alex Cora? I think if you're the Red Sox, from a perception standpoint, you want to go elsewhere. How about Jason Veritek? Jason Veritek, he's already had the title as special assistant to the president of baseball operations, and he's done a lot of work on the field with the players. So he's the two-time World Series champion, and he's always been billed as a future manager. I think Jason Veritek is a name I would strongly consider. And then there's Billy McMinnon. He's been a rising name in the minors. And then there's Eduardo Perez, Mark Kotze, Matt Kataro, even some whispers of Dustin Pedroia as a potential candidate. But I think Jason Veritek is the guy. Here's Sam Kennedy talking about Jason Veritek as a potential Red Sox manager. Um, not appropriate to talk about specific uh, managerial candidates, but Jason is a, a beloved, uh, not only alum, but part of our organization. And um, our hope and, and desire has been for him to continue to take on more and more of a role as he uh, develops the next stage of his baseball career. So the Boston Red Sox, a great organization, one of the flagship franchises in Major League Baseball. They made the right move by moving on from Alex Cora, Alex Corrupt, as I'm calling him, and their next manager, I really think they should go with Jason Veritek. And some stunning news in the NFL, the seven-time Pro Bowler, the five-time first-team All-Pro linebacker, Luke Keekley is retiring from the NFL at the age of 22, fighting back tears on a video that he posted on social media. He announced his retirement from the NFL. I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play um, this game since I was in fourth grade, and uh, I've been with the Panthers now for eight years, and it's never the right time to step away, but now is the right time for me, and it's a tough decision. I've thought about it a lot, and I think now is, is, is the right chance for me to, to move on, and it makes me sad because I love playing this game. I've played it since I was a little kid, and it's my favorite thing in the world to do. And and really just a sad day for the NFL. The league loses one of its premier players, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, an absolute warrior on the gridiron, and you could just hear it in his voice. Luke Keekley was very emotional about saying goodbye. You know, there's only one way to play this game since I was a little kid is, is to play fast and play physical and play strong. And at this point, I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore, and that's the part that is the most difficult is I still want to play, but I don't think it's the right decision, so. I thought about it for a long time, and I think now is an opportunity for me to step away with. And former Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera, who selected Keekley out of Boston College with the ninth pick of the 2012 draft, he said that he was glad to see Keekley go out on his own terms. One of the really good young men to play the game, and I'm proud to be able to say I got to coach him. Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper said that Keekley had a tremendous impact on the organization, 
In my two seasons with Luke, I quickly recognize how special of a person he is, the respect he gives and garners from others, as well as the positive impact he has on his peers is second to none. It's obviously going to be very difficult for all of us because we know no player can replace what he's been to this organization for the last eight years. His presence can't be replicated. And then Greg Olson said on Twitter, words can't describe who Luke Keekley is as a person, friend, and teammate. We have shared countless memories together, both on the field and away from it. I feel honored to be his friend, and I'll always appreciate the impact he had on my life. Love you, buddy. So Luke Keekley, now look, Luke Keekley was an absolute stud on the football field. He missed six games in 2016 and still made first team all pro. He was an impact player for the Carolina Panthers and the league will miss Luke Keekley. I always remember what Captain Munderland said about Luke Keekley. He said that he didn't have cable for the first four years of his career so he could watch film. He didn't want anything to distract him from watching film. And unfortunately for the NFL, he becomes the latest player to call it quits before the age of 30. Luke Keekley, 28. Gronkowski, 29. Andrew Luck, 29. Doug Baldwin, 30. Cam Chancellor, 30. Calvin Johnson, 30. Patrick Willis, 30. Jake Locker, 26. And Chris Borland, 24. Now the question is, did Luke Keekley make the right decision? Absolutely. Luke Keekley goes out on his own terms. He walks away from the game while he can still walk. Look, he made $63 million in his career. He's going to be fine. He's set financially. To me, he's a Hall of Famer. Since 2012, 1,092 tackles, first in the NFL. Pro Bowls, seven, first in the NFL. All Pros, first in the NFL. 18 picks, most among linebackers, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, NFL Rookie of the Year, and seven seasons as team captain. That is his Hall of Fame resume, and in my opinion, he goes into the Hall of Fame, and there's no question about it. He was the best at his position for multiple years. Unfortunately, due to the way that he played the game, the violence, the ferocity, it didn't allow him to continue playing the game, but there's no question in my mind that Luke Keekley belongs in Canton. And it's official, Zion Williamson will be making his NBA regular season debut January 22nd when the Pelicans play the Spurs. Zion is back, and I'm going to tell you what to expect from Zion Williamson when he makes his return. But first, here's David Griffin on the return of Mount Zion. Um, based on today's practice, which was not terribly intense because we're still somewhat of the walking wounded, um, we're going to continue to try to get him some reps in practice. Uh, we hope to have a slightly more intense practice on either the 17th or 19th. Um, if all goes well from that, and assuming he is cleared by then, which he is not quite yet, um, our anticipation is he'll play his first game on the 22nd at home against San Antonio. Um, this process has been one that's been really, really good. We've learned a lot more than we've probably taught him, frankly. Um, but he's he's getting to the point where we actually think he's as ready as he believes he is. Um, so 
everything's moving in the right direction. Now, anytime an NBA GM has to have a 30-minute press conference about an NBA rookie's debut, you know it's a big deal. The hype surrounding Zion Williamson is reaching levels that we haven't seen since LeBron James, and that was back in 2003. We're talking the social media era, the internet age. He went to Duke last year, so we've known about Zion for four or five years already, so it's time to let this monster off the leash. Let's see what he can do. He does Dominated in the preseason, and then David Griffin also said he will not be on a minutes restriction. Yeah, he won't. I, we won't do a minutes restriction, and this is something that, in general terms, we sort of philosophically disagree on. I think um, it's not about a hard number; it's about what the bursts need to look like. It's what you're measuring him by. So when you're returned to play from a serious injury, it's not going to be a number. It's going to be a He's going to play in a limited number of bursts, and you're going to judge those all fairly subjectively in terms of what he looks like. Now, my first takeaway is I have so much respect for this Pelicans organization. Playing Zion this year, that was the right thing to do. You don't want to do what Philadelphia did with Ben Simmons and what the Clippers did with Blake Griffin. Yes, they sustained injuries, but they held him out for the entire year. You want to see guys come in and perform and see how they play with their teammates. Look, Zlonzo Ball has really turned the corner. Brandon Ingram really should be an all-star this year, in my opinion. And another thing, too, Zion Williams he's going to be eligible for the Rookie of the Year this year. He can't do what Ben Simmons did and wait a whole year and then steal the Rookie of the Year from Donovan Mitchell. Zion Williamson, we're going to see him this season, and just the way they talk about this guy, how they've tried to change his walking, all of his fundamentals, change his diet. Look, for a while, they were calling him Dikembe Mogumbo because it looked like he was puffing up out there in Nolens. Look, that food is so good, it's tough to avoid, but look at the way they talk about this guy. It's almost like they have him in the lab. It's like he's Drago in Rocky IV. He's like a basketball machine. Just listen to the way that David Griffin talks about all the work they put in with Zion Williamson since he's been out. I, I really believe very strongly he is a radically improved physical version of himself in, in ways that, frankly, we took the extra time to ensure. Tests that we've been asking him to, to pass and the things that we've been judging his progress by there's several of them so I, I by the way i like that lady behind david griffin she's just sitting there like hey i'm here just trying to get paid but no, Zion Williamson to me, I think he's going to live up to the hype. I think he's going to be a perennial all-star, an all-NBA caliber player. Because look, yes, he's built like a defensive lineman. 285 pounds, six foot seven. but we're in the science age. We are in the age where we can try to find ways to keep guys on the court. And I heard Seth Greenberg this morning on ESPN saying that John Morant is going to end up with a better career than Zion Williamson. John Morant will last. His career will far surpass Zion Williamson because his body is built for the NBA. His then body would, is built then you would last. We, well, then you would do it. You would reverse the order if he's going to have a bad Look, here's the Zion Williamson hasn't played a game. Right. He played one exhibition game. Right. All right? You look at Zion Williamson. Look, it's just genetics. You can talk about teaching him how to walk again, teaching him how to run again. All this stuff's great. The guy's 280 pounds. There's only two guys in the NBA that weigh more than him. It's a 24-second clock, stopping, starting, changing directions, jumping. 
Your body physically cannot handle that pounding. And yes, that's Seth Greenberg, the same guy that didn't offer Steph Curry a scholarship when he was the head coach of Virginia Tech. So hey, take it with a grain of salt. But hey, look, I'm a very big fan of John Morant. I love John Morant. He is explosive. His tenacity. You saw what he said to James Harden last night. Now, trust me, I'm a big fan of John Moran. I picked him to win Rookie of the Year before Zion was even injured. Look, I think at some point, Ja is going to rule the NBA. I just think that Zion is a phenomenon. I think that Zion Williamson, he's going to demand doubles, triples. Look, are you going to tell me that Allen Iverson and Russell Westbrook had a better career than Shaq? No way. Zion Williamson has that Shaq level of dominance. That's his potential. Look, Zion Williamson hasn't played a game in the NBA, and he's already on a one-name basis. Kobe, Bono, Shaq, Drake, Zion, okay? So he's got that star power. I think he's going to come and light up this league. He's going to be posterizing guys on a nightly basis. And like I said, he's got that infectious smile. He's got the brand. Zion is going to take over the league. Now, as far as expectations go, remember, Zion averaged 23.5 points per game in the preseason. I see him putting up something like 16 to 19 points per game. I'm going to say he averages about 17.5 points per game, gives you about seven seven or eight boards, three or four assists per game, give you some block shots. This guy is going to do it all. I think Zion comes in, and I think he still makes first-team all-rookie. I think that he still makes first-team all-rookie. It's a little late to catch John Morant, but trust me, Zion's going to come in. He's going to ball out, and at some point, the rest of this league is going to be trying to climb Mount Zion. But before we wrap, I want to hit you with the Get More Sports Fact of the Day. Which NBA player had the best debut ever? Most points. That goes to Wilt Chamberlain, a.k.a. the Big Dipper. Wilt the Stilt, 43 points and 28 rebounds. His Philadelphia Warriors beat, of course, the New York Knicks that day. 43 points for Wilt Chamberlain. But that is going to do it for Episode 91 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. And then head to YouTube and give me all your takes right down below in the comments section. See you guys Friday. Have a great rest of your day, and I'm out.